0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Shadow Talk, Digital Shadows Cyber Threat Intelligence Podcast. With me as always, we have Ivan. Hello. Austin. What's up? And uh, our CISO, Rick Oland. Howdy. All right, howdy y'all. So yeah, let's go ahead and just roll right into the topics. Uh, We're gonna start off with some some ransomware activity that we saw. so CD Projekt Red, they're a Polish video develop, video game developer. They developed Cyberpunk 2077 and uh, The Witcher. So, you know,
1: everything I, I just beat Cyberpunk uh, 10 days ago, and I have a hole in my life right now because I don't know what I'm going to do <laughs> Friday night and Saturday night where I haven't staying up after midnight playing games. So, yeah, this one uh, particularly uh, caught my attention when I saw it in the news.
0: Yeah, super... super. Super random, kind of interesting one. We don't see too often. Um, but yeah, we'll go ahead and roll right into it. Ivan, can you fill us in with the details on the incident?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So CD Project Red, they announced on their Twitter profile that they fell victim to a ransomware attack. They said that an unauthorized threat actor, they gained access to their internal network, they collected data, and they encrypted files, and they also left a ransom note. And in this ransom note, uh, the cyber cyber criminals, they threatened to expose information that they stole to gaming journalists. And they also said that they were going to sell the company's source code if they didn't pay a ransom in 48 hours. So CD Project Red, they said that their backups they were left intact, so they were able to recover all their files. However, they made it clear that they were they would not be paying the ransom and they were already taking steps to deal with the public disclosure that was about to happen. And we don't know which variant was used to target CD Project Red. Mm. We know that it's likely one called Hello Kitty because Hello Kitty uses the same name for the ransom notes that we have seen in previous campaigns.
0: Yeah, Hello Kitty. No, it's, it's I mean, I feel like it's just been a bad start to the year and into last year for, cyber, well, for CD Project Red with Cyberpunk kind of rolling out. And there's
1: obviously some backlash yeah. out of that. <laughs> this is not what they needed <laughs> uh, from a PR perspective.
0: Yeah, certainly not, and I mean, this isn't the first time that they've actually been in a ransomware incident, so this is the second one, to my knowledge, and yeah, I mean, crazy. So how did, you know, CD Projekt Red, they said that they're not, not going to pay the ransom. Obviously, that doesn't sit well with the threat actors that are trying to make some money. What what do they do? How do they respond to that? Yeah,
2: so like on Tuesday, the same day, uh, the same day that they made the announcement, a user going by the name of Red Engine they made posts on the Russian-speaking criminal forum called uh, Exploit. And they said that they had all this data and they were going to sell all of it. And they were asking for $1 million starting bid uh, or $7 million blitz price if anyone w- wanted to just get it straight away. So we don't know if this is the same threat actor, but uh, it's an interesting one to look at.
0: Yeah, wow. $7 million just to pay out right, or, you know, go through the auction. It kind of, like, Reminds me of, you know, like the, the pay for it now option that you have in uh, like eBay back in the day. Like, yeah, it's, it's just interesting to see. It's kind of like, you know, we see ransomware operators that have their own data leak site. So maybe like Hello Kitty, like you said, we were really not sure on the variant that was used here. But maybe the smaller ransomware teams might go to this option of like, well, we don't have like a de- dedicated data leak site. Let's just go ahead and put this on a, on a you know, a forum and go ahead and sell it mm-hmm. that way. So, I mean, it's kind of interesting to, to see that this double extortion tactic doesn't necessarily have to be only on you know a data leak site. But yeah, and how did the, the other users of uh, the exploit react to that thread?
2: Yeah, so there was like a lot of skepticism from other users because this was like a fresh account, zero posts, zero reputation. So we, we really don't know much about the legitimacy of the user. And it's possible that this, this is just somebody trying to take advantage of the situation to make a quick buck. Uh, so the auction has been closed since. And what's interesting is that this user, they said that they received an offer outside of the forum uh, which satisfied their demands. So we don't really know who bought that, but they have sold the data to somebody, apparently.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that's a, it's going to be... Good to just kind of follow along and see what comes about in regards to this, to see if the data actually you know ends up somewhere else.
1: Is is, is anybody else playing Cyberpunk besides me?
0: I played the whole thing like when it came out it, with all the bugs <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's I a good game. Yeah, Ivan was able to get to it uh, a little bit before you there, Rick. He was uh, a little quicker on it, although. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because I, I had my time off.
0: <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, I mean, it's
1: a good way to spend spend the holidays. How many How many hours did you put into it, Ivan?
2: Probably like fifty hours. Yeah, like I did that. 100 and
1: 130. It's a very okay. short game. It's much shorter than Witcher three. Um, I just hope, selfish me, uh, hopes that you know all of their response activity and stuff like that doesn't delay DLC. Because I have like I <laughs> oh, said, I had this hole in my heart. Now I don't know what I'm gonna do. And I hope they come out with a DLC on the equivalent of Hearts of Stone for all, all the Witcher Witcher 3 people out there who know that game. Um, that DLC was really, really good. Yeah, and there were
0: some some updates that were included in a lot of the, the information that was taken, like you know things that hadn't quite been released yet or things that were on the on set to be released. So Yeah,
1: hopefully- they said it was uh, rogue rogue ai that did it and their net runners couldn't stop it so um they, they gotta get some upgrades
0: <laughs> there you go good little cyberpunk reference there all right cool yeah so staying with ransomware let's go ahead and uh talk about ziggy so ziggy ransomware decided to go ahead and throw in the towel why did why did they quit Ivan? why did uh, ziggy give it
2: yeah so the, admi- the the admin for ziggy they they told security researchers uh during an interview that the Ziggy ransomware was created to help the admin generate money because the admin was from a third world country and they claimed that they felt guilty about the operations and they saw the recent uh, law enforcement operations happening with Emotet and NetWalker and that convinced them to shut down their operations for good.
0: Yeah, Well. So, I mean, do you think like law enforcement activity, it seems to be working I mean, from your perspective? I-, I think this is like the the best outcome of all that law enforcement, you know, making it very well known all the operations that uh, took place with uh, Emotet um, and the NetWalker ransomware variant. So um, it's kind of interesting. Do you think any other ransomware teams might, you know, close up shop in response to that?
2: Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. Uh, Law enforcement shutting down NetWalker and uh, charging its developers, that sent a big statement to the ransomware community, because now they know that there may be consequences for their actions. And some groups, maybe they're going to say, you know, we've made enough money, maybe it's time to call it quits while we are ahead, you know? So it's definitely possible that we could see some other ransomware groups taking the same approach.
0: Yeah, I, and I think it's it's more of these kind of smaller ransomware teams. I think in the, in the article there, too, there was mention of a phonics ransomware um, that shut down their operations last week, and they mentioned that the, the Ziggy operator actually knew, was friends with the Phonix uh, ransomware operators as well. So I think it's kind of these smaller ransomware uh, boutiques, so to speak, just kind of giving up shop. They're getting kind of nervous with this law enforcement activity, which is good, which is really what, you know, you hope to see in kind of thwarting this ransomware uh, attack or this ransomware trends that we're seeing right now got to do something, right? And so it's nice to kind of see even like even the smaller ones, but I don't necessarily think this would have an impact on some of your larger groups. What do you think?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the larger groups are going to be heavily affected by it because they have way too many affiliates and way too many operators that they're likely can keep their operation going. Even if one person goes down, they can still keep going. Uh, But they have to pay attention to these small, small groups because they start small and then they start making money. And then they get a lot of more affiliates and their operations grow bigger and bigger. So the more the more reliable they become, the more likely it is that the victims are going to pay the ransom. Uh, so the threat is really the same. And we really have to be uh, cautious to not only the big groups, but also the smaller ones. Because all of them could play uh, play a big role in the threat landscape.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good point. So we'll go ahead and just kind of pivot away from, from ransomware for a second. I know everyone's favorite top topic, but there was some activity that occurred in Florida, the good old city of Oldsmar. So here to talk us through that, we're going to go to Austin. Austin, what happened down in Florida?
3: Yeah, it was a pretty, uh, pretty remarkable case. So on Friday, there was a hacker who gained access into the water treatment system in Oldsmar. And just as a point of reference, this is like 17 miles outside of Tampa, where the Super Bowl just was. Um, so, the attacker, they exploited an outdated Windows 7 operating system uh, to compromise the software used to remotely, uh, remotely manage water treatment. And after, you know, they've done some digging so far, they think that they access TeamViewer. This is a remote access software to, to gain the unauthorized access. So, once inside, they tried to increase the levels of sodium hydroxide in the city's water supply. And uh, for a brief moment, they actually managed to increase the the levels to more than 100 times normal levels, which is very alarming, could be very dangerous. And so one of the water treatment plant operators, he noticed that his mouse cursor was moving strangely on his screen. At first, he dismissed it as, you know, like someone just remoting in, IT maybe. But then a little later, the cursor was clicking through the water treatment plant controls. Uh, so this guy, you know, was alarmed. He took action and he reduced the levels back to normal. Uh, reduced the sodium hydroxide levels back to normal. Fortunately, the the public was never in danger, so they say, be- um, because there's fail safes in place. So if they, you know, if they did go unnoticed, uh, these fail safes would trigger alarms and warn uh, the operators of these unusually high levels of sodium hydroxide. Yeah, it's
0: definitely one to. I mean it's scary in some ways i we talk about ransomware we talk about these you know incidents that impact these large corporations and i feel like we've almost come become so desensitized to like we'll, we'll see like another oh another million dollar ransomware attack like well you know it's just kind of par for the course at this point but something like this it kind of hits home just a little bit to remind us that it, this you know these there's cyber incidents that could have an impact and in this case like you mentioned the fail safes that were in place so but, uh, I mean, it's scary to think that, you know, what if those sites, you know, failed too, you know, and right. potentially it, it would have taken, I think they said like two or three days before it actually even made it to the, the water supply. So plenty of time there to identify the, the issue. But again, it kind of just, you know, drives home that fact that uh, these things are out there. It could happen. Uh, I mean, what, you know, what do you think is kind of like the implications of an attack
3: like this? Uh, I mean, I, th- I think for one, it brings some much-needed awareness to cyber vulnerabilities that can be exploited at critical critical infrastructure sites. Um, so I was doing some research, and water treatment and sewage plants sh- water sewage. I'm sorry, water treatment and sewage plants can be some of the most uh, vulnerable critical infrastructure targets in the U.S. And this uh, this recently has been a result of budget cuts and remote work scenarios because of COVID. Um, so some of these municipal water treatment plants, they only have a single IT person and I mean, I think they've already, you know, reporting this up the chain of command It's definitely a national security threat and federal law enforcement's already gotten involved. So it'll be interesting to see what they find out
0: Yeah, I'm sure the more they dig into this the more details are gonna come out uh, regarding it and I, I also noticed too that are in the reporting that the team viewer um, software. They, they actually weren't using it anymore. It was just a, a legacy software that um, yeah. they weren't actually using it uh, and that they just hadn't removed uh, from the system. So, I mean, it, it just goes back to kind of the security practices that we preach. Uh, Rick, did you have anything, any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this one. <laughs> uh, one one is a disclaimer, like there's a lot of talking heads that suddenly became water treatment plant experts <laughs> and ICS experts in the past week. I would... Go to places like Dragos, uh, my uh, Rob Lee's company, my co-chair for the SanCTI Summit. That's like my go-to place. And Sergio, who runs the Intel team uh, there, um, they know that space really, really well. I kind of laugh because I have hear people talk about it, it's like a it's a wake-up call, and I'm like, man, we just hit snooze on all of our wake-up calls. Um, <laughs> you know, it's another wake-up call. It's another wake-up call. In although, ironically, at some point, Leon Panetta. Um, it has a famous cyber Pearl Harbor or infamous cyber Pearl Harbor line. And, you know, one day we're going to actually have something like that and it won't be hyperbolic. Uh, we're not there yet. This one's interesting. Cause it's got, you know, we don't know what the attribution is. There's some stuff, you know, it's Thursday afternoon, you know, going around right now, we'll see what comes up on Friday. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about attribution on that, that sort of stuff, but you know, we've seen stuff like this happen in Israel in the past. Uh, so this, this isn't new, but it, I mean, it highlights problems, you know, Alec, like you said, this was outdated software. So you think about what's your, your digital software foot, like, what does this mean to you if you don't have a water treatment plant, like just a regular listener in a regular enterprise, so to speak, like what's your software inventory? What is your out of date software that you don't need anymore? This talks about, it's about a tax surface, right? Um, how are you restricting remote administration of your tools, um, especially in the COVID world, you know, like Austin was mentioning there. So even though this is, you know, ICS water treatment focus, there's there's real lessons that apply to, to everyone that's defending networks because the challenges they have in those environments are not that dissimilar for some of the challenges that we see in, in other enterprises. They have their own unique angle, but attack surface management is is, is a universal problem for everyone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it just goes back to complacency too. Like you never think you're a target until you're a target. And so, you know, potentially the the city of Oldsmar, they probably never really thought that their water treatment facility would be in this sort of incident. And so again, it's just like, you can never be too careful. You can never be too safe. So yeah, so our final topic is going to be on some activity from a security researcher who was awarded a pretty big bug bounty reward, a total of 130000 US dollars. So what he was able to, to do actually kind of rings some bells with the SolarWinds incident. Um, not that, you know, everybody's tired of talking about SolarWinds. Figured we, we could still bring it in, but this is a little bit different. Uh, the researcher was able to go ahead and impact about 35 tech firms through a supply chain attack. So Austin, can you speak to us a little bit on on how these supply chain attack worked, or, or what the vulnerability he was able to identify?
3: Yeah. So uh, this guy, he's a bug bounty hunter, Alex Burson, and he was he was working with uh, somebody else. Um, so what he started doing, he was started typo squatting the valid internal package names to get into company networks, and then he he gained remote code execution, and then he was basically able to demonstrate how attackers can add backdoors during these builds, and so. So, since some of these companies, um, third-party vendors, for example, to Apple, Microsoft, some of the companies that he was doing the bug bounty for, they'll download and use public code repositories to run code that anyone has access to, and none of the package hosting services can guarantee that the code um, that, the, that any users upload is free of malware. And so he, you know, like you said, he he gained a, I think the, it was like on average thirty thousand dollars for each bug bounty. Um, And Apple, Microsoft, Shopify, Netflix, Yelp, and Uber were just a few of the companies that he went out um, that he found this vulnerability within.
0: Yeah. And I I mean, just thinking of like the potential second order, third order effects of these supply chain attacks, like you gain a a foothold into, you know, just as an example, using Microsoft or Apple, like the potential is kind of, you know, endless there. You know, obviously they have sophisticated security teams. They probably identify some activity, but potentially they, you know, couldn't. Um, so, yeah, Austin, so so, why do you think these supply chain attacks are, are really so effective? And, I mean, they're difficult to defend against. Even, like, the best security teams are vulnerable. I mean, we've seen what's resulted out of uh, the SolarWinds incident. And really, I mean, it's kind of hard to say, that any victim of that SolarWinds incident was, you know, not uh, up to their security standards. Like, I mean, why, are, why is this just so hard?
3: Yeah, I think, um, like, as you were comparing to SolarWinds, just the, the bigger picture here is that if a vendor that you work with is compromised and you work with them, your, your business can be just as much at risk. Um, and, you know, if you're, you're dependent on a third party vendor, uh, to keep operations running smoothly, this could in turn affect your operations. Um, so that's just, uh, that's that's why they're so effective. It's it's so wide, it so, can be so um, widespread, especially if you have a large number of, of vendors that you work with.
0: Yeah, and I think it's, it kind of reminds me of the move when we saw ransomware teams go to targeting MSPs because you have a single point of entry, but then you have multiple victims that you can kind of branch out on. And so this single... You, know, you gain access to the single point and then you are able to then pivot into multiple victims. I mean, it's, it makes sense why it's such an attractive uh, attack method. It's such a, a used method that we've seen continually. We're going to see this again. There's going to be another solar winds incident. There's going to be another large, you know, s- supply chain attack.
1: It's just so hard to defend against. I guess you see a lot of Monday morning, Monday morning quarterbacking on, you know, why didn't you do blah, 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 going back to, Target and Fazio Mechanical, which was not the exact same type of supply chain attack. Um, but even here at Digital Shadows, we have a lot of vendors and just keeping track of them require, you know, we have a team dedicated uh, to do that within the security group it is a lot of work. And then as you scale up your organization, right? Large companies that grow by M&A, right? They've picked up other companies. And so every company they do, they bring all of their, their supply chain with them it's just a really challenging thing, and we've seen here an uptick in rigor, um, uh, depth, and breadth of questions coming in from customers. You know, inquiring about how we, you know, try to minimize supply chain uh, risks here at Digital Shadows. Um, but yeah, this is a big pain point. I did have an interesting media request today that came in and and, and was asking the question if if we thought that or the question was should intervi- in, should enterprises slow down their patching efforts because of supply chain attacks like SolarWinds. And the way I framed the response there is like, no, because SolarWinds in particular is like, you know, a high impact, low likelihood, right? Those are not everyday attacks. If you slow down your patching because you're worried about Patch Tuesday this week and the Microsoft patches being trojaned, you are then opening yourself up to maybe ransomware and that's how ransomware gets you. So you gotta, you gotta look at your, your, your threat model. So don't give up on, on, on applying the patches and trying to reduce your attack service it goes back to the team viewer conversation, right? Like yeah. run the latest versions of your software, you know, try to do as much due diligence and monitoring of these key tools in your stack, like SolarWinds, uh, Nagios or, you know, whatever the, the, the solution is out here. But yeah, every, all the defenders out there, listen, you have my empathy because this is a tough, uh, this is a tough task and no yeah. easy button despite yeah. what some vendor marketing might say <laughs> no easy button
0: no no easy solution whatsoever I know we said it so many times that uh, defenders have to get it get it right every time and then the, the criminals or your threat actors have to get it right just once so something that's so true that uh, you know we're very much aware of here so cool I think that wraps up most of the topics that we had for the week just so, some few plugs that we've published to Digital Shadow's site, uh, some blogs that we put out. So, um, you know, some, we, we talk a lot of bad things about these cyber criminal groups and they tend to get no love, but there is a new Valentine's Day blog that we put out uh, regarding just some, some trends that we're seeing in regards to uh, dating apps and, um, you know, some nice Valentine's Day themed research into the cyber landscape. And additionally, we put out a nice exposed credential solution guide on how to prevent account takeover. So if you're interested in that, the links will be in the show notes. Uh, pretty pretty interesting week. Thanks for sitting here, speaking with me, Ivan, Austin, Rick. Any last comments?
1: Happy President's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah oh yeah monday's a holiday i forgot That's right That's well maybe not for everybody uh but <laughs> for digital shadows us it is so that'll be nice
0: yeah nice long weekend to you know take a little break so yeah all right thanks again everyone if you'd like to reach out to me and talk threat intelligence always happy to to reach out via twitter my handle is at alec a6 feel free to shoot me a message um, if not, then we'll talk to you in a few weeks time. Everyone stay safe and we'll talk soon.